he begged for arms and wore a peasant's tunic with a rope for a belt and yet he accomplished no less than the rebbes of Talna and Rujin. Excuse me, stranger. No offense, but you're butting in without even knowing what we're talking about. When we speak of the greatness of the Talna and the Rujina, you think we mean their wealth? As if there weren't plenty of rich men in the world? No. You have to understand that behind the orchestra and the chair and the slippers lies a deep and secret meaning. Everybody knows that. Everybody with eyes to see with. Except the stranger here. They say that when the rabbi of Abt first met the Rusiner, he threw himself down to kiss the wheels of his carriage. And when he was asked what that was all about, he shouted, fools! Can't you see that this is the very chariot of the Lord? Ay, ay, ay. It boils down to this. The golden chair wasn't really a chair. The orchestra wasn't an orchestra. The horses weren't horses. They were images of those things, illusions, providing, as it were, the special accoutrements for greatness. True greatness doesn't need special accoutrements. You're wrong. True greatness must have appropriate regalia. How else could its magnificence be comprehended? For instance, did you ever hear the story about Reb Schmelke of Nicholsburg and his whip? Listen to this. One day, Reb Schmelke had to judge a dispute between a very poor man and a very rich man who everybody feared because of his influence in high places. Well, Reb Schmelke hears them both out and decides in favor of the poor man. This makes the rich man furious and he refuses to abide by the Rebbe's decision. So the Rebbe says in a calm voice, you really should do as I say. After all, a rabbi must be obeyed. This only makes the rich man angrier. I don't give this for you and your pronouncements. He says, at this, Reb Schmelke draws himself up to his full height and cries, either do what I say right now, or I will take out my whip. The rich man loses all control and hurls a torrent of abuse at the rabbi, which doesn't faze Reb Schmelke at all. He calmly goes to his desk, and opens a drawer just a crack, and pop, out jumps the primal snake. The primal snake? No. And it coils around the rich man's neck. Oh, he's such a ruckus. The rich man screaming at the top of his voice and writhing all over the room. Rebbe, Rebbe, he shouts, forgive me, I'll do anything, just call off the snake. Reb Schmelke says, Tell it to your children and your children's children that they must hearken unto the rabbi and fear his whip. And the snake slithers back into the drawer. <laughs> that was some snake. I think you're mistaken. Now, the primal snake could not have figured in the incident. And why not? Well, simple. Reb Schmelke wouldn't have used the primal snake, which, after all, is the evil one. Satan incarnate. May heaven protect us. Tui, tui, tui. Reb Schmelke must have known what he was doing. What nonsense. The whole thing was seen by dozens of reliable eyewitnesses, and you're saying it couldn't have happened? 
You think I'm talking just to hear the sound of my voice? No, 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 no. No, not, not at all, not at all. I just thought that there weren't any spells or formulas that, that could call forth Satan. There is one way. By pronouncing the great double name of God that melts in its flame the highest mountains and the deepest valleys, the one into the other. But isn't that dangerous? Dangerous? No. Except that in the heat of the intense desire, when the spark bursts into flame, the vessel could burst. In my village, there's a wonder worker. Oh, the miracles he can perform. With one spell, he can stop a conflagration, and with another, put it right out. He can see events going on a hundred miles away, and he can tap a wall with his finger and make wine pour out. That's just some of what he can...